Welcome to Have You Seen This, the podcast about obscure, overlooked, and misbegotten cinema. All discussions will be spoiler heavy. You have been warned. today yeah darren Herzig. you do prince of beasts prince of beasts raconteur yep magician yep pro wrestling expert yes a lot of kayfabe going on a here lot today. of kayfabe a lot, <laughs> a lot of kayfabe. kayfabe uh darren you're also a filmmaker aren't you i am a filmmaker yeah tell us a little bit about some of the films you've made uh well i've made an, an epic barbarian film called barbariana queen of the savages which you can see in five parts on youtube it's magical Thank you. you must see it if you if you love cheesy 80s barbarian movies, you owe it to yourself to watch this because it is such a perfect distillation of everything that makes that genre great. Well, I'm excited too because mo- many people don't get that it's like fake. They think it's like a real 80s movie that somehow has been put up in that's five parts. That's so awesome. I know. It's, it's like that's the highest compliment I can get. Even if they hate it, like this is the the 80s were so bad. I'm like, okay, well, you were fooled. It wasn't in the 80s. <laughs> um, that's the joke. But yeah, I've made that, some other shorts. There's a, a bizarre movie about three boy princes, but they're played by people in their 20s. Uh, and, and someone in brownface. There's a great tennis film with Nazis in Harlequinish makeup. Yes, which Tim and I worked on. Yes, you guys did we for hours on, it. on end. Yeah. That was a fun well, shoot. We were though. there for hours shoot. to say we worked. Well, yeah, I'm. I'm spent most of my time hovering around craft services. <laughs> and what a craft services it was! I, even if I did buy it all myself, it was a beautiful spread. <laughs> Thank you. Thank I you. I spent my time going. Oh, that's what a grip does. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're you're in a school. You'll learn properly yeah, right. soon. What are we watching today, Tim? Harlequin, aka Dark Forces, which is an Australian um, sort of horror thriller movie. Horror? Really? Is okay. this horrific? It's okay. I would, I would call it the fashions are horrific. <laughs> well, I don't know. I disagree with you about that, but I would call it. Uh, I would call it life. I would call it reality. I'd almost call it like a kitchen sink drama. It's so real to me. That's true because there are. You do live a charmed life. I do live Aaron. a charmed. Well, I, you know, I essentially am of the Harlequin. Um, That's true. You know, I'm I'm essentially commedia dell'arte on on two legs. <laughs> there are he political many machinations in this as well. So I guess to call it a thriller. horror film, yeah, thriller. Okay, a thriller with sort of a magical reality, or we, there's this like magical th- realism thriller. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's very Italian neorealist. Because like, not ho- really. Does it really engender horror or terror in you? I did. You know, I did feel the horror elements coming in in the climax. Right. Like right. the whole like he's in the house. You know, uh, that's, the, that's horror. Yeah, but I was rooting for him. Yeah, no, totally. Well, the reason but I mean, that how I, often do people not root for the villains? I mean, let's be real. I mean, it depends. Like, Jaws, I certainly am not. Well, I do root for the shark because they're all, they're all <laughs> assholes. The reason that I would kind of edge it into the, slightly into the horror category is that, I mean, I get feelings similar to, like, The Exorcist or The Omen in that there's, or, you know, there's a little kid that this sort of supernatural... Um, a being is sort of preying upon. There's an uh, uh, an influential family, and then there's sort of uh, intrigue that goes along. With but he's that. not preying on the kid. He's hel- he's actually helping the kid. The movie just wants us to think he's a villain, even well, though he's not. Saying from the point of view of the parents, perhaps he is. But then only one parent. But he's been established as being an asshole, like a philandering asshole. Because the dad, 
David Hemmings is like clearly having an affair on the wife. She admits that it's a loveless marriage and that it was yes. set up. And she has an affair with the villain, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So really the villain is... But then he ends up not being... David Hemmings doesn't even end up being villainous because... Well, he's... Um, David Hemmings' character is really weak. He's a very weak character. Yeah, he doesn't do anything. Complete, because as he's told to his face at least a couple times, you're a puppet. Yeah. And really, the true villain of the piece is um, represented by Broderick Crawford. Yes, Do- Doc Whelan, who Doc, is not yes. a doctor. Yeah. As we see from the credits, yeah, it's just a... What name. is he? Is he a senator? He's, he's not. not. so, yeah. Terrifying, meat-faced fixer. Well, that's... <laughs> and I think that's what gets to... Um, what makes this movie interesting is that it, it has a lot of, I think, reversals in it, and it plays with uh, sort of... I don't want to say it plays with your expectations, but it does have a, a sort of nature of, is this is this magic like stage magic? Is this magic with a K? Are, are politics <laughs> like on the up and up? Or are they this sort of shadowy conspiracy of a puppet government? And then you, you start to, um, I don't know, you start to feel like you don't know what's what. And I think that that's what makes the story compelling. Yeah, because I definitely felt that because there are several times when you're asking yourself, wait, like, is this real magic or... Yeah, magic with the K. Yeah, or is he just... Because it's plausible that the explanation they present in the film is entirely plausible that he's just doing, like, stage tricks, like, oh, I pulled an egg from behind your ear, but... um, I don't know, I feel like... I from the the get-go kind of just believe it, and the film never does anything to disprove it, ever. Like, he ends up shooting lightning bolts out of his mouth. (laughs) (laughs) But there's that great shot after he's floated into the air in front of David Hemmings and then they cut to the monitor yeah mm-hmm. and he's the the guy watching is on the ground but that's a theme which is evoked earlier where um doesn't he mention something about magic being in the eye of the beholder yes. or whatever yeah so, so it's more so it's a, a story about illusion then well you found this movie originally didn't you Tim yes it was in a documentary um of exploitation films that I think, the, unless I just said the name, it eludes me with that. Not <laughs> quite Hollywood. Some, not, not quite, quite Hollywood. Hollywood. The yeah. history of like Osploit, something like because we saw that together yeah. actually. Yeah, and from from there uh, afterwards, we saw a double feature of uh, right. Patrick, right, which mm. is about a sort of uh, guy in a coma who develops psychic powers. Yeah, and um, and is an asshole. But that it's kind of like a that movie's a one trick pony. It all builds up to one scene, and what a glorious scene it is! That's but, a that's yeah. a really effective film, though. Like I still I still recommend it to people. Yeah, it might even be worth talking about on the podcast. Mm. The point is, thank you, not quite Hollywood. Yeah, for yeah. introducing us to Harlequin, aka Dark Forces. Yeah, about I a half a dozen wh- good movies. Well, I wonder why they had to change the title because I was scanning Wikipedia and I couldn't find a reason. Like it's t- like, yeah, we found a I- little bit of trivia about this movie. Okay. Um. It's the original title was apparently Harlequin, and they changed it to Dark Forces, which I personally think is a better title. Dark Forces. Yeah. Yeah, well, because the Harlequin. I mean, but then again, like, uh, yes, it actually does make more sense to call it Dark Forces because it's about you know there these warring forces. Yeah. At play behind. I mean, Dark Forces are a little ge- generic, but Harlequin yeah. is also kind of an esoteric word. I feel like unless. You're yeah. anticipating the Suicide Squad movie. You don't know what Harlequin it even is. Well, that's the thing. It like, sounds a little fruity. I don't know. It doesn't play until it like comes to play until the end. And like, what he describes Harlequin as being really doesn't as because he just says like Harlequin is a character. Yeah, you know, he's a, he's a jester. He's he's an, an Italian comedy character who only the audience can see and no one else can see. But like, oh, I get it. 
You know, I mean, it's kind of like, but like, I do love though that oh, this, I don't know. This is probably getting out of order. Like when he finally realizes that his day is done, he goes and he's like masquerading at the party as some like German ambassador. But then he decides, like he, he tells, he confesses to the kid, my my time is done, whatever. And he decides to make this grand appearance in like leather and like leather with studs. With he's studs. dressed like he's dressed like fucking Rob Halford when he walks and, in. And like wondrous <laughs> eye makeup. Yes, and like, an earring, a pirate earring. Yeah, Rob Halford with like Ziggy Stardust eyebrows. Yeah, it's like and an earring. Oh. It's so magical. Back on track. So yes. what? I guess the question is like, what then is remarkable about this movie? What's notable? Why would anyone well, want to see this? Before we get into that, um, number one, mm-hmm. Tim, if you were to give kind of the capsule plot of this film, how would you describe it? Well, they kind of give it away in that the guy's um, last name is Czar, spelled backwards. Yep. Right. It's it's the basic story of Rasputin. Uh, he comes in, he heals a an influential political figure's kid, and then starts sort of exerting his power a little more, and then that that clashes with um, the powers that be. And so it's sort of control for um, who is, who's pulling the strings behind, you know, this politician's uh, political career. Who's the darkest force of all? Yes. Right. Who is the real force in the dark? Right. Um, does that about sum it up? No, that's a good summary. The only thing that bugs me is that this movie doesn't end in Bolshevism, whereas <laughs> the original Rasputin story pretty much does. Yeah. True. Well, that's a, that's a, well, that's probably a 400-page script. I guess if we watched Reds afterwards, yeah, then that yeah. would be appropriate. Yeah. Wow. Darren, why did this movie stick with you? I mean, it's, it's going to sound really ridiculous, but fingernails. Um <clears throat> Tell us about the fingernails. So, so David Hemmings, Robert Powell, and the lady—I'm not sure who who mm-hmm. she is—some Australian lady. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're sitting around having dinner and discussing. It's Kylie I Minogue. I don't even remember what they're discussing because it's so like, and they're in like full formal dress, and then they're talking, and then like the whole time everybody's hands are like pretty much under the table, specifically Robert Powell's, and uh, at, at one moment he like brings his hands up, and there's this reveal. Up into frame. There's this reveal that all his fingernails are painted black, and he does the most amazing like exaggerated finger acting where he's like curling his I wish you got people could see what I'm doing with my fingers but it's very elegant and then and, and like it's just so striking because like he's in white tie formal wear as formal as you can get for any occasion yet he has the most delightful black fingernails and it's just that moment and he's so serious too like there's no winking at the nails I mean yeah he's showing that he can fit into this world <clears throat> by the way he's dressed so he's also saying that he brings something that's unique which yes. is in his black fingernails yeah and it ends up being a visual motif yeah later in the film there are some great visual motifs in this oh, film the transitions that they do in the movie are pretty remarkable like bird to birds or like face to face stuff yeah there's a great transition which is of a a discarded piece of cake yes. to a floating dead bird. Yes. <laughs> That's excellent. I mean, actually his first, yeah, like Powell's first appearance is like a creepy clown uh, and somehow he managed to imbue this. I'm, I'm not really creeped out by clowns, but I guess because he's got such a gaunt skeleton face, like it, <laughs> he's kind of a creepy fellow. Yeah. Robert Powell. I mean, I could see him playing like a, a vampire and I would I would buy it. Yeah, but yeah he's unearthly. definitely, he's definitely got this off kilter yeah. look to him. Which is, explains why he's probably so popular in South America, according to Wikipedia. Yeah, according to Wikipedia, <laughs> this movie did very well in South America because Robert Powell is so popular there. I feel he's like, more popular than Shusha. I feel, I feel huh? like the, the subtext of the film maybe is what appealed to the Latin Americans and then that they don't know who's controlling the powers behind the government <laughs> either. Yeah. And I think they just struck a subtextual, a subconscious chord that probably resonated with... That's an 
excellent summing up of an entire country. <laughs> well, you know, an mm-hmm. entire continent, really. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, S- South America is not so a country. That's one of the big reasons. There's some great zooms too. Yes. Oh, you, I miss that. I know. Of films of the period, no one does zooms anymore. There, you occasionally you'll see a few. Like, um, I mean. Uh, He's responsible for some terrible things, but Wes Anderson does do a lot of zooms. But yeah, there are some really great, there are some really great camera moves in general oh in this God. film. Even just the simple ones, like there is literally a shot which is just um, kind of a, a tracking shot, just coming around from the front of a car yeah. towards the back, and it's really beautifully done. Yeah, I think it's well. And then like, what also really stands out to me in this movie is like when the wife and and uh, and. Uh, Gregory Wolf as Harlequin's Gregory name Wolf actually is, is the guy's name. When they start like having their like affair, it's like crazy cut to to like, like a, a photo montage. Yeah, it looks like a Polaroid commercial yeah. from 1981. <laughs> kind of reminded me of like in Raging Bull because that movie is all black and white, and they show the whole movies in color eight millimeter. Oh yeah. yeah. Also, there's the beginning of the Cassavetes film Husbands starts off with like a photo montage, but it starts to like establish. It's rare that it's like flash cut to. Photo montage, but I guess I was thinking to myself, like, is this to indicate that she's being under surveillance? Because that's kind of plays oh. up later, and I wonder if that was kind of like a subtle wink that, like, she's being watched, and therefore, I hadn't considered that, but that is a nice way to achieve kind of two things at, at once, where it's you're getting surveillance, but you're also getting this like fun photo montage of the two of them together. Oh yeah. So that's an excellent point, Darren. Nice Thank one, you. Darren. Thank you. Did you go to school for this? I did. I do. You know what, guys? I got a master's. What? what? Can I say? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> can I he say? he has a master's in pro wrestling. In pro wrestling. Yeah. Oh my god! If only that were possible. <laughs> <laughs> I guess like if you win the championship belt, technically that's, that's like that's like getting yeah. a master's yeah. in pro wrestling. That's pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that was a good visual bit of storytelling. There are some other um, nice in, in addition to cameras. There are also some nice visuals. There's. I mean, I'm thinking of a couple of key scenes. I mean, there's, of course, the fingernails uh, coming into frame as a nice reveal. Yes. There's that sort of, uh, not really a sermon, but I guess there's that lesson on the cliffside. Oh. oh, my God. And, okay, like, everything about the scene, like, starting with the wardrobe. Oh, my God. Yeah, Robert Powell is wearing, like, a, like, head-to-toe, like, white Jesus robe. Yeah, yeah. it's, like, some Godspell shit. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> but it's, like, Jesus post-resurrection, like, fresh, like... <laughs> Freshly risen in all his glory. Kind yeah. Of. And kind of a um, one theme of the movie is, and we're going to get into spoiler territory here. So uh, um, pause this, go watch Dark Forces or Harlequin if you live in Australia, yeah. and then come back and listen to the rest of this. But um, one, of the, one of the central conceits of the movie is um, this cyclical thing of that, you know, he's healed the sick child and then he starts grooming him to be oh, his replacement. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, um, so he's taking him on these little excursions, and he's, oh, they're at the beach, they're having a good time at the beach. Oh my god, he's dangling the fucking kid off of a cliff! Yeah, just from out of nowhere. (laughs) Well, because he wants to teach him a lesson about fearing death. If you're always fearing death, then it can never sting when it comes. Yeah. Which I guess is true. I don't know, I fear death constantly, and I feel like when the sting comes, I'll still be fearing it. Like, I don't know (laughs) if this is a true... Well, and maybe it goes into I think it's about mindfulness. Oh my god, the end. Well, that's the, that's, I mean, you asked why why this movie stands out, because it's at once like kind of ridiculous and like over the top but in the best way possible it's not boring no. it's not bad either like it actually no. it's not it's like has I feel like the kind of cheesy moments are yeah. just a function of its of the time it was made but it's like 
that's fine. They work. I mean, it's it's like to, like when people say like a fun movie, like when Guardians of the Galaxy was out, everybody's like, oh, it's so fun. I love it because it's fun. This movie to me is fun. Yes. But not in that way. That movie is like dumb, like Guardians of the Galaxy. It's incredibly stupid. The sense of humor is stupid. This movie's actually not stupid. Like what it brings up about who's controlling whom and yeah. dark forces and all that stuff is actually quite clever. But there's this element of like the zooms, the costuming, the ridiculous like Ziggy Stardust makeup. The and, costuming alone. You know, and, and the final shot where the kid like... Turns to the camera with like... Harlequin with Harle- his like clown yeah. makeup on and like it's a zoom into him, right? And, yeah. Or, like in a freeze frame. It's just crazy. Yeah. It's just so... It's like... It's, it's dated, but dated shouldn't be taken to mean bad. Dated does no. not mean bad. I mean... I wish more things had that 70s yeah. vibe. Well, that's something you're trying to achieve in your filmmaking. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. succeeding. You're evoking a time, a yeah. certain time. And again, that's why I kind of invoke Exorcist and The Omen as kind of similar in maybe thematic content. Because, I mean, those, those yeah. are just the two movies that I think of when, you know, when I think of this. Actually, another really similar film of the same time period is uh, another one which I think you guys are, would bear to watch, which is The Visitor. It's a... Italian, I think it's an originally Italian movie. It's Lance Henriksen's in it. Um, hmm. I forget who the girls. Again, it's like the premise is like uh, John Huston plays like a godlike character, and there's like mm-hmm. these aliens, and like there's an evil creature named Setine that is reincarnated <laughs> in like a little girl, mm-hmm. and John Huston is the visitor to try and cull this child and bring him to like this Jesus-like character on another planet. Dude, but it's and there's a shadowy like forces controlling and trying to like it's like it's a kind of like an Italian ripoff of the Omen with a girl. Does he meet her and he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm your father. I'm, I'm your dad. I'm. <laughs> well, he's, he immediately sleeps with her and then impre- and like, they yeah. create a new child. And my great. sister. My daughter. <laughs> but my sister. Yeah, it's, I think it was something that was on people's minds in the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, there was like a children and supernatural peril thing going yeah. on through like the 70s and 80s. Yeah, so I think that this is just yeah, sort of of that same. Poltergeist. And of that same yeah. zeitgeist. Firestarter and other. Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. You know. Tim, what stands out to you about the film? Um, gee, I think that the uh, that it kind of plays both ways with um, what's real and what isn't because it's you have a lot of uh, sort of you know you have, there are a lot of cases where you know you have to just believe your own eyes and be like oh we're seeing actual magic but it's like you've been to magic shows and you see things that you think are impossible but it's it's stage magic it's all an illusion so I think that the movie handles those two sides of it really well. And then it kind of gives, you know, the the viewer, um, sort. Of, it, it says it for the viewer, a sort of unreliable narrator, I guess, in mm. that you aren't sure which side to believe. And it's like, is um, Gregory Wolf helping to uh, straighten things out for this politician? Is he trying to uh, usurp this um, this negative, the the other dark force, or is he himself just a uh, a dark force? Is he just a a uh, uh, con artist who's sort of tricked his way in to be influential. So, well, he is French. Well, that's, yeah, that's <laughs> even though he has a that's, flawless British accent. That's the real big question mark. I mean, that's, that's, that's well, is it a question mark or does that answer all the questions? Oh, oh that was another thing that stuck out to me was, that we found online was um, online, it was asserted that they were trying to hide the fact that the movie was shot in Australia, yes. which I maintain is bullshit. And yeah. for this reason, best you could say it for takes one reason, okay. the, the right-hand drive cars, yeah, the cars, the minute you see a fucking right-hand drive car on screen, you are not in America. And I feel as, 
I feel as if they were trying to be like, oh, we're, we're totally in America. They would have gotten a fucking left-hand drive car. Well, the crazy thing, though, is like, but then, wh- like, why is Doc Whelan American? And then why? Because the, they really wanted Broderick Crawford. <laughs> but then at the, like, the political rally, like, all the bunting is, like, American bunting. It's not, like. Yeah. Now, we have to admit. You could say that it takes place in a British colony. I mean, that's the closest you can say. See, we're we're actually pretty ignorant of uh, about Australia and Australian politics. The closest Mm. thing we have to an expert here is Tim, who has actually been there and will be going to school there. Abbott is a cunt. That's all I know. Well, (laughs) according to Wikipedia, they have a bicameral House of Parliament, which is Senate and Representatives. It's loosely based on the U.S. Constitution with a hint of, according to Wikipedia, Westminster. Yeah, such a fancy way of saying the British system, but I've never heard it referred to as like the Westminster Constitution. Is is that for like debate rules or uh, for who knows? Uh, Again, we know film. We don't know Robert's um, rules. Of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Foreign politics. But yeah, yeah, like I I don't know if that's strictly true. It doesn't seem to me like they were taking special care to make it look. I mean, it's sort of ambiguous. I mean, there are no like. Um, like wallabies in the shot well, ever. Right. <laughs> David Hemmings is British. The wife and the kid are Australian. Powell is British. Doc Whelan's American. It's like a whole weird mishmash. Yeah, and there are some American voices dubbed in. Like, yeah, like the secure the the when they when they put a wolf in prison. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's huh. like they took pains to dub. It's 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 a sloppy job. It's a sloppy it seem job. I think they're trying to like not. Yeah, mm. they're they're just trying to obfuscate. Its origins, which I can Maybe they're trying that. to make it universal. Yeah. Oh. Like the dark forces could be in your country. Or your country. <laughs> or, or your country. Or they're just saying, no, nah, this, this is a real movie. It's not from Australia. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's really what, what it boiled down to. Um, I like the dinner party scene. Again, the one where, um, I guess it's not... I don't know if you call it a dinner Oh, like party. the fundraiser gala? Yeah, yeah. Party when thing. he shows up in, in oh, his leather-studded outfit. Great scene. Because, again, like, he makes... He's a very charismatic figure, mm-hmm. and he makes a good impression. Like, he levitates the piano. Again, is that, like, stage magic or magic? Yes. He, he throws that um, symbol, that, like, uh, drum symbol into the air. He cuts a bird in half with it. And it's the yeah. sort of thing where it's like, what is going on It's kind of like, oh, these tricks aren't fun anymore. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's it's definitely taking, like, this is, you know, fun stage illusion magic into, like, this realm where it's like, I don't really feel comfortable with this. And yeah. so it, I don't know, I think it makes the character compelling in, you know, the context of, you know, the, the world that he's living in. Because it's like, oh, this is actually kind of a dangerous figure. Yes. And so that... And you get that from, you know, the other politicians in the room were like, we don't want him involved in this. And that sort of then reiterates the Rasputin story right. that that's based on. So I, I think that is that that's one of the, the strong points for me, you know, in the story, because I, I'm I like the story for these. Well, you know where I think they could have pushed it a little further with the Rasputin parallels. Part of the, mm-hmm. the best part of the Rasputin thing is they like poison him. They shoot him. They drop. Oh, yeah. They, they try do like a billion six different things. ways. This is only twice. Yeah. Well, they yeah, it is kind of evoked at the end because they they're like, oh, we killed him. Oh wait, no, we didn't. But like yeah. with Rasputin, it was like, oh, we killed him. No, we didn't. Oh, we killed him. No, we didn't. Like, isn't isn't it like yeah, six, and then they, seven times? And yeah. then they cut off his dick and put it in a jar. So I would love to see that. <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, ultimately, they I think they drowned Rasputin, and then they threw Harlequin, you know, in a lake yeah. too. Although it came back and he was just a dummy. And again, there's so many instances of here where it's like. Is that sleight of hand or is that magic? Or, it, or he was supposed to just be a dummy? I thought it was just like a corpse and that was their best they could do with the budget. That could be it too. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like for the 70s, that was like a high quality corpse stand-in. Hmm. 
Well, they couldn't float Robert Powell in some water. I know. Right? Yeah, shot? That's, that's the other question. Or they were like, oh, we forgot to get that shot. Well, it just makes it more <laughs> And he's already in South America, like, right. thronged by screaming fans. Well, he had already groomed his replacement anyhow with Alex, the sickly child. Yeah, because, yeah. again, getting back to the whole, like, <clears throat> is magic real or not, then you have these scenes of, like, the psychic <clears throat> kid doing telekinetic things with his uh, Chinese checkers set. Yeah. Yep. And it's like, is... okay, so it is real. Yeah. Or, but he's... But then they have these pictures. It's like, no, he's a con man. Here's the here's all the stuff that we found out about him. Yes, but then then the woman who David Hemmings is having an affair with claims who they also try and say that Gregory Wolf they have photos of him having an affair with her. She claims she's never met him, but she's a whore. They call her that a number of times, so she's obviously lying. Yeah. Well, you know, whenever a woman is branded a whore, you can pretty much believe that label. Oh, I believe it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally. I just assume it. Well, True. yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Well, mother or a whore. Right. Take yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> It's either or. Great four and a half hour movie about that very subject <coughs> called The Mother and the Whore. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've seen it. Saw a film. Now, the director of this film uh, also directed uh, Quigley Down Under. Wow. Mm. Free Willy. Okay. That's good, yeah. Operation Dumbo Drop. Good. Paycheck. Uh, Lonesome Dove, which is actually oh, really good. Okay. And uh, Daryl. Oh. <gasps> Wait, the the the, the robot the boy. robot from the eighties? Yes. Oh, D A R Y L. Yes. With but with periods. I guess like, with like an actor. Yes. Assuming his name I haven't is seen that movie in so long. Was it a part of your childhood? I think I saw it twice on HBO and didn't really like it that much, but I feel like adult Darren might need to see that. I think so too. <laughs> is is isn't what's his name in it? Dabney Coleman might be in that movie, or am I thinking of Cloak and Dagger? Uh let's find out. I thought that was War Games. Oh my god, War Games. I think they're trying to like remake No, it's it star Daryl oh, stars my. Mary Beth Hurt and Michael McKean. Oh wow. <laughs> really? Michael McKean? Michael McKean, yeah. Oh wow. I do love Michael McKean. David St. Hubbins? David St. Hubbins. <laughs> He's also directed a couple of horse movies, um, Far Lap and The Young Black Stallion. Wow. Well, Far that, Lap that's was more an for me, really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Australian some horse. of your touches are in the film because there's some horse sculptures very yeah. <laughs> there's, there's some horse play Actually, I was like oh it's like this movie was made just for me something <laughs> that I think needs to be mentioned is the bathroom uh, set design which is like a lush jungle wallpaper with matching green faucet appliances I haven't seen a bathroom that green since The Shining oh my god <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's almost like Argento levels of, of like baroque design at um, that color. point yes. yeah um, yeah yeah yeah, so that's some good-ass production design. Yeah, I, I was into it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's also worth mentioning that apparently the filmmakers originally wanted David Bowie yeah. for the Robert Powell role. But and then they got cold feet. Who got cold feet? I don't know. I mean, I guess, like, so this was 80, so let's say they were doing production 77, 78. Man Who Fell to Earth, I think, had come out at this point. Yeah, because it came out in about mid-70s, 75, because 76. The only thing I can think of is, like, maybe they're like, he's untested, what if he can't act? But... David Bowie, like, was trained in mime. He was, I mean, what wasn't he trained in? Like, were they, I... He dabbled in the occult? No, uh, David Bowie hindsight was... Hindsight is twenty twenty, I think. Because yeah. no. now we're like, how could you pass on that? But then well, no. we're like, I'm going to put Justin Bieber in my movie. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> Bowie by <laughs> 78, 79 was, had established himself as mm -hmm. an actor, I believe. You couldn't, you can't ignore a film like Man Who Fell to Earth. Right. And I believe 76. in 1980... When it came out. He did. He was doing Elephant Man. He was on doing stage. Elephant Man on stage, and when and that's a, that is serious acting. And when did Mary, so there was Merry Christmas, Mr. Bowie. Lawrence, come out? Oh, another. Yeah. Like, that, I think that's also like early was, '80s. And yeah. when did Labyrinth come out? Eighty, like seven, six. six. Well. <laughs> <laughs> what else is Broderick Crawford in? 
Um, I want to say that he was a TV star. Yeah, that seems like the kind of quality they get. Um, they wanted Orson Welles. Oh, but yeah. He, he was too big a star. What, 80 or $90,000 <laughs> a week? Yeah, and that was just for food. Just for food. Oh! Oh, uh, fat. fat jokes. But can you imagine if it was David Bowie and Orson Welles? Oh, my God. Then yeah, everybody would we, know about this yeah, movie. Yeah, we wouldn't be the only ones talking I mean, about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Move over, Jodorowsky's Dune. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, Broderick Crawford was best known for his portrayal of Willie Stark in All the King's Men and for oh. his starring role in the television series Highway Patrol. Okay. There you go. And, I mean, that's... I'm sorry, that's a face made for radio, if you ask yeah. me. Like, <laughs> I don't... Well, he's a character actor, Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, like... No Pat one Nos- gives a fuck if we're fat. Pat Oswalt, yeah. <laughs> I feel like if Joel Edgerton ever gets really fat, he's gonna look like that. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Sorry, Joel. <laughs> No, yeah, if, um, oh my god, that's so sad, yeah. Because yeah. if it were David Bowie and Orson Welles, like... Hey, this would absolutely be... A... Although, you know what? Yeah. I feel like if this had had David woulda, Bowie... Shoulda, huh? Woulda, shoulda, coulda, you know? If this had had David Bowie and Orson Welles, like, it would have been big, and then people would have saw it, and the critics wouldn't have gotten it. They would have been yeah. like, oh, it's stupid. Yeah. And then it would have been a cult movie anyway. It's kind of, It, it kind of has that um, split-second thing <laughs> about it. I mean, I, I do think Bowie would have pulled... I think Bowie actually might have been more convincing than Powell in a way because he at that time especially he still had well I guess by 80 he was already starting to shed that more otherworldly persona but at least pulling off those outfits without making it look ridiculous like when Powell walks in in the leather with the pirate ring Come on, he fu- he sells that because he, well, he's so confident in it. But if Bowie walked in, you wouldn't even blink. You'd be like, "Oh, why weren't well, you like that before?" Well, yeah. is that because of his? presence or is it because he's david fucking bowie because no matter what bowie does we're like oh cool it's i mean david bowie puts completely alternative sexuality across to the most vanilla audience he's been doing it since the beginning well actually now that i think about it this movie came out in 80 which means he was probably working on scary monsters at the time and all the promotional stuff is pierrot Oh my god. Another Comedia character. So he essentially was embodying That's true. An analogous character, you know. Oh. So like maybe he was like, Oh, I wanted to do this film, but I'm just gonna do scary Mo-. maybe the secret impetus behind scary monsters was <gasps> Dark Forces. Itself. There a was dark a dark force. force. Dark force. Yeah. <laughs> dark force. <laughs> Who would you guys recommend this movie to? Everyone. <laughs> Harlequins. Uh I mean honestly, I I would I would tell I would tell people they need to see it. I think most of them would be like, well, actually, most of my friends would like it, but like, well, your friends. I don't think my dad would like it. Actually, <laughs> he might. I don't know. Well, my yeah. my. If it was big in South Africa, he would have seen it. Right. I don't think he saw this movie. <laughs> my dad. Well, everything they banned everything in South Africa. Like you don't say. Like yeah. I mean, but like I think they had to sneak in to see some bootleg record, like bootleg screening of. Clockwork Orange, like, wow. and the book was banned. Dude, like, that's legit. Yeah, but Clockwork Orange was banned everywhere. So not even what, even in its country of origin. That's how but you know it's a good book. Even even the bootleg print was censored. Wow, in South Africa, like, so it basically had very little impact. So. I mean, I mean, it wasn't. Uh, it was seventy minutes, right? Right. <laughs> well, maybe it would be a better film. Oh, like no, the I mean, shorter I love, alien. I love Clockwork Orange, but seventy minutes would not do that movie justice. No, no that's a. I love that movie too. So when we decided we were going to talk about this film on the podcast, uh, I was doing a little Googling, and I happened across several different posters for it. Oh, my God. Which I think I, I'll have to post this. Yeah, the so posters the are all fine examples. Yeah, they're all, you know, they're all variations the of um, Robert Powell, like, throwing lightning or whatever. But there's literally one 
where it's just his head coming out of a ring of fire and he's shooting like a fucking laser out of his mouth. That's the lightning bolt, but yeah. it happens in which the movie. I know, yeah. which I so didn't remember because I, I hadn't seen the movie in so long, and I was like, oh my god, this poster, Darren, look at this fucking poster, Ugh. it's amazing. And then, what does he do in the movie? He shoots lightning bolts out of his mouth. Yeah, and I casts mean, a ring of fire around it. Yeah, yeah. He surrounds David Hemmings with fire. I, I used to say the only tattoo I would ever get is the is a back piece of the rape scene from The Accused on the pinball machine. <laughs> oh, yeah. But seeing that poster made me revise it. I think I might want the back piece of, of the lightning bolt poster of Farlequin. Um, I don't even know where this movie is available. Uh, it's available oh, it's on DVD on and Blu-ray. Right? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Okay, so you actually sure. can see this. Um, it's not something that we we have to send you to YouTube for. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty sure you can. Let me. I'm gonna look on Amazon right this instant. I'll so, tell you how much it is. So we wouldn't say that it's campy. It's it's dated, but not in a bad way. No. I think that it's more than just a. Well, it's it's a solid thriller. I think that it has um, it plays two sides of an issue very effectively. Mm-hmm. I think there's an element of camp in it. Like some of his. It's six ninety five on DVD. No, there's there's some easy. elements of like the costuming when he first shows up in that like mm-hmm. Romulan Star Trek outfit. Oh God, that's right. He's dressed like a Star Trek villain. And like, I, but the thing is, I feel like the filmmakers are in on it. I don't feel like it's unintentional. Yeah. And I feel like camp, you can't really, yeah, truly, you know, like John Waters is campy, but like he's in on the joke. Like I feel true camp, high camp. Well, that's the question. Is um, you well, know, because it's it's very easy to be jaded now. You know. Right. Like, in the century that we're living in, with, like, you know, over 100 years of accumulated visual media. But at the time this film was released, do you think these outfits were just like, oh, my God, these are the most crazy outlandish things ever? Well, I, I definitely feel like the scene with the with the fingernails. Well, they, yeah, they, that's, they that's actually that. still kind of a... For effect, like, yeah. There's no it's way they... It's very startling, even today. You know, like, I definitely feel like the film, film filmmakers are in on it. And, like, knowing that they had designed this movie originally for David Bowie, those outfits make total sense. No, you're right. You know, like, and I feel like they wanted to make him this otherworldly magician character, so, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so again, like, campy but not in a bad way. In a way that, like, this is, again, a, a sort of otherworldly character where it's like, yes, this is how I dress for the role that I've assumed. And yes, it is going to blow your mind. That's it how I dress every mind. day, yeah. bro. Oh my god, I wish you dressed like that every day. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I dressed like that every day. Yet I... You know, I really think that Robert Powell completely dominates this movie because we oh. spent most of the time talking about him. Yeah, uh, yeah. David Hemmings doesn't hold a candle. Well, like... honestly, when you have a f- like a fairly f- a literal force of nature, yeah, it character. Force. Who are you going to cast opposite him? And David Hemmings is famously bland. I mean, there's yeah. that joke in Monty Python. Uh, oh, the character of David Hemmings will be played by a block of wood or something right. like that. Yeah. And he he David Hemmings like no matter what happens in this movie, he basically runs around with this permanent like querulous old woman expression well he looks like donald trump yeah he just kind of without any of the fire he just kind of looks vaguely nonplussed at all times which i think is appropriate for the character because he's kind of a milquetoast politician yeah Yeah, he's manipulated you know nothing to him uh, so yeah, yeah. Robert, pa- this is Robert Powell's movie, hundred percent. The kid, the kid has some moments, but like the kid and also um, the uh, the wife, the wife. You and, know, she yeah. she uh, plays a very strong role in the first half of the movie, and then she like I don't like he helps her. He helps her grow a spine and just walk yeah, the hell she, out of that house. She's actually pretty like she's done. She never puts up with that husband. Like you know, I mean, she yeah. does for marriage, but then like 
Yeah, but it's it's definitely this is like a this is a a, a, a showpiece for Robert Powell. Oh, totally, this and is... it's completely worth seeing. You go out and check out Harlequin slash Dark Forces. God bless. All right. Namaste. <laughs> <laughs>